Any more of you elected officials out there want to fess up to classified documents in your home? The lead starts right now. First Trump, then Biden. Now Mike Pence admits he too had classified material at his house. Will the Justice Department appoint yet another special counsel as lawmakers react now to the Pence news? And California's three mass shootings in three days, the latest, a case of workplace violence. What led a gunman to allegedly target his co-workers as we learn the identities of 19 killed in less than a week? Plus, reversing course, sources tell CNN the U.S. is now ready to send its Abrams tanks to Ukraine as Germany also softens its opposition. So what changed? Welcome to The Lead. I'm Pamela Brown. Jake Tapper is on assignment. And we start today in our politics lead with a story first reported by CNN. Roughly a dozen classified documents found at former Vice President Mike Pence's house. A lawyer for Pence found the papers at Pence's Indiana home last week, according to sources, and turned them over to the FBI. The documents were not stored in a secure area at Pence's home, and the discovery directly contradicts what Pence told ABC last November. We sit here in your home office in Indiana. Did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. Um, Do you see any reason for anyone to take classified documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to have classified documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area. This afternoon, CNN asked Attorney General Merrick Garland about these revelations, but he declined to answer. CNN's Jamie Gangel was part of the team that broke this exclusive reporting today. And Jamie, we just heard Pence there saying he didn't take classified information. So what happened here? Look, this appears to have been inadvertent. Uh, what we know is it seems to have happened in the final days of the Trump-Pence presidency and the classified documents appear to have been packed up with personal items that were at the vice president's residence. And I think that's important because we know that actually the Pence office was very rigorous about the process of their paperwork uh, when it was packed away and things were sent to the proper place at the White House. What we don't know, who packed them up at the vice president's uh, residence? When they saw the classified markings, why weren't they put aside? And we still don't know the content of these documents, the level of classification, the sensitivity. What we know, though, is um, they weren't in a secure location at the Pence family home. And they've been sitting there for quite some time now. When the documents were discovered by Pence's lawyer, we should be clear they took the classified documents and put them in a safe until the FBI came and picked them up. So talking about the FBI involved in the the Trump investigation, the Biden investigation, does this have any impact on those investigations? So I I actually think this may be a gift in different ways to both uh, President Biden and former President Trump. For President Biden... This has been a hellacious PR nightmare that, you know, just drip, drip, drip. What this shows is there's a problem with the system, right? Mike Pence didn't think he had documents either. They found it here. For former President Trump, I think this may help him on the legal front. 
because even though his situation is completely different, intent, obstruction, the number of documents that were taken, it does show sort of a widespread issue with these documents, and it may impact what Merrick Garland and the special counsel decide to do. I've got to say, though, I, I find it surprising that after the Mar-a-Lago search, it took so many months for right. both Biden and Pence to find classified documents in their homes. You'd think they would have done it right away just to double check. Are other former presidents and vice presidents searching their homes or offices right now? (laughs) Their sock drawers, too. (laughs) I, I think we will see in the coming days the archives reach out to all the former presidents, all the former vice presidents, and ask them to go back and check. Maybe there's going to have to be some kind of amnesty here. I'm I'm not even saying it lightly, but if the system isn't working, there may be a need to say, guys, we're going to fix the system, but please go back and see what you have there. That's really interesting. Jamie Kangel, amazing reporting. Thank you. So let's discuss with CNN's Paula Reed and former Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General Tom Dupree. So, Tom, this is now the third time in just the last few months where a president or vice president has improperly had classified documents after leaving office. I want to play something Pence said just two weeks ago. Before we left the White House, uh, the attorneys on my staff went through all the documents uh, at both uh, the White House and our offices there uh, and at the vice president's residence to ensure that any documents uh, that needed to be turned over to the National Archives, including classified documents, Uh, were turned over. So we went through a very careful uh, process in that regard. How does this keep happening, Tom? That is the question of the hour. Uh, You know, it happened with Trump, and I think most people kind of quickly realized how that happened. Then it happened with Biden, and I think people shook their head and said, how could someone as smart and wise in the ways of Washington as Joe Biden make this mistake? And now here it happens again to former Vice President Pence. I do think it shows that these sorts of errors can happen inadvertently. I'm not saying that's the case with either Trump or Biden, but I am saying that it does, at least at this hour, appear to have been the case with the former vice president. By all accounts, the transition as far as Vice President Pence went was careful. It was methodical. They did look at the documents they were taking out. There certainly is no suggestion, at least at this hour, that this was kind of an intentional scheme to pirate classified documents out of Washington and to Indiana. It does appear here to have been a good faith oversight. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder um, how this helps the other investigations, right? Because Pence made it clear just two weeks ago, we, we, you know, crossed all of our T's, dotted our I's, everything was by the book. And yet we have learned now because of CNN exclusive reporting that uh, classified documents ended up at his home too. So they could argue, right, Paula? Look, it slipped through the cracks. Look what, you know, even for Pence. And we know now the Justice Department is investigating how these documents inappropriately ended up at Pence's house. What does that investigation look like? Could Mike Pence now face a special counsel of his own? Well, the attorney general is probably running out of options for special counsels, but I don't think a special counsel is inevitable here. Right now, they're conducting a review, looking at the facts, and then deciding if there needs to be further criminal investigation. And based on what we were just discussing, I mean, this is right now, based on what we know, appears to be inadvertent. 
And the reason that the case for President Biden and former President Trump have gone to special counsels is because they made decisions and did things that made their situations more complicated, specifically when it comes to former President Trump. He's under investigation for allegedly trying to obstruct this investigation. The amount of material that he is had retained hundreds of pages versus dozens with President Biden. And also there were concerns that he was moving the classified information, which is why Mar-a-Lago was ultimately searched. Now, President Biden's team, they were more cooperative. They did the right thing. They reached out. They said they'd been trying to cooperate. But look, it took them a long time to complete their searches. They didn't even tell the Justice Department that they were going to search uh, the Wilmington home. And they weren't fully transparent with the American public when this first came out. So they really kind of backed the attorney general into having to appoint a special counsel. None of those complications are, are at issue here currently with what we know about Pence. So I don't think it's inevitable that there will be a, one, two, a, third, a third special counsel. All right. Well, we will have to wait and see, though, because I think we all learned the lesson, too, after Biden. One batch found, then another. But so far, our reporting suggests that the lawyer for Pence only found this one um, stash of classified documents at his home. So what do you think, Tom? Do you think this discovery changes the calculations for the Justice Department at all when it comes to the investigations into Trump and Biden? You know, I do. I really do think it does, because I think that this latest revelation really was going to send a message to a lot of people out in the American public that this thing happens kind of all the time, uh, rightly or wrongly. I think that's what many people's perception is going to be, that classified documents for one reason or another make their way out of Washington and into the you know places that they shouldn't be. So I think if you are either of the special counsels currently looking into this, I don't see how you can help but factor in what's going on with Pence is it is a calculus in your determination as to what to recommend, whether you think that there's a, a violation of law that could potentially be prosecuted. Because again, this just underscores the fact that these things can happen by accident or inadvertence. And any distinctions among the situations of the three main players, I think, are going to be lost on a mm-hmm. large fraction of the American public. Paula, you heard Jamie there in her reporting saying that don't be surprised if the archives reaches out to every former um, president and vice president to say, hey, I need you to search your homes and offices. But have they already been doing that? Should should they be doing that, given uh, what's going on here? It really does feel like that's where we're headed, Pamela, some sort of amnesty period. So we're not going through this every six months because it does appear that this could happen inadvertently. We want to make sure that all of this material is protected. And it does appear to be a systemic problem. I was speaking with one of former President Trump's lawyers a short time ago. They've been saying this. Honestly, they have been telling me this for months. This is a systemic problem. They say there's overclassification and there should be an amnesty period to really address the larger issues. Now, that doesn't absolve their client of his alleged obstruction, but there is a larger issue here. Now, of course, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, I'm sure, would like to have a word about that because she paid an enormous political price when she was investigated for potentially mishandling classified materials. Yeah, but that is another example as well of the problem, right? Uh, uh, So, all right, Paula Reed, Tom Dupree, thank you so much. Up next how this Pence saga is getting quite the reaction on Capitol Hill, just as Republicans were coming after Biden for his documents discovery. Also ahead for you today, the new voices calling on Republican Congressman George Santos to resign after the lies that appear to be nonstop. And are you ready for it? A rare moment in Washington today, the bad blood fiasco uniting both Republicans and Democrats. Holy heck, that's how Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Mark Warner reacted to the revelation that classified documents have also been found 
at the Indiana home of former Vice President Mike Pence. So let's get more reaction now from both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. CNN's Phil Mattingly is at the White House, but I want to start with CNN's Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Manu, what are you hearing from lawmakers? Yeah, I've been asking members about this ever since the news of the Pence uh, revelations broke, and they are perplexed, stunned that this continues to happen, and uncertain about how that these uh, the former president, the former vice president, the current president have these documents outside of the secure settings. In the current president's case, how he got documents that were apparently during his time in the Senate, how that ended up in the in his home in Wilmington, how that how, how this also emerged uh, with vice president, former Vice President Mike Pence at his Indiana home, and several of them asking for more answers from the intelligence community or even suggesting that possible legislation is needed. The bottom line is I don't, I don't know how this happened. We need to get to the bottom of it. I don't believe for a minute that Mike Pence is trying to intentionally compromise, compromise national security. Think that about Biden and Trump, but clearly we've got a problem here. Senator Peters is looking at bipartisan legislation in terms of classified documents. I support um, his efforts. Uh, in the meantime, uh, on the specific cases, the place, to the, the appropriate thing to do is have special prosecutor, and that's what's happening. So Schumer there stopping short of suggesting that the Senate should investigate. I asked him whether or not his chamber should look into this matter, saying that instead this is in the purview of the Justice Department. That is a similar line that Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, had as well. But the Senate Intelligence Committee, the bipartisan leaders of that committee, are planning to press the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, tomorrow behind closed doors. They had a previously scheduled meeting. Marco Rubio, one of the leaders of that committee, telling me that this will certainly come up because they've been pressing for why these records have occurred, have leaked out, and what damage this has done to national security, and they hope to get the answers tomorrow, Pamela. Those are important questions. Phil, top Democrats visited the White House today as the Biden administration is dealing with its own classified document scandal. How is the White House reacting to this latest news? You know, Pamela, it's interesting. Publicly, they are not commenting. They are making clear this is an ongoing investigation or an ongoing review, and they're not going to get involved in it, much like they refuse to comment on their own investigation that they're dealing with from the special counsel. But privately, White House officials have been very keenly eyeing the developments of the last couple of hours when it comes to the former vice president. And, and keep in mind, over the course of the last several weeks, as the White House has attempted to grapple with the repeated disclosures, they have gone to great lengths to make clear just how different they view their situation, the, former, the president's classified documents issues, with that of his predecessor. Very different cases, very different issues that the two are dealing with. This is an issue in particular with the former vice president, where I think the company is welcome to some degree, trying to draw some parallels here, trying to make clear that this was both inadvertent in both cases, but also underscoring that this is something that can happen, does happen. And in the president's case, as this investigation continues, having somebody else that's not the former president and what he's going through to hold up as an example is something that at least politically has been helpful and potentially could be helpful more broadly in terms of how people are looking at things. Again, not weighing in publicly, but certainly aware of those dynamics behind the scenes. All right, Manu and Phil, thanks so much. Let's discuss with our panel. Abby, I'm going to start with you. When the classified documents were found at Mar-a-Lago, Republicans quickly came out to downplay it, downplay the significance, saying, you know, let's wait and see what this is all about. Then classified documents were found at Biden's property. Suddenly this is so serious and uh, there needs to be an investigation. Do you expect Republicans to downplay it again now the documents were found at Pence's home? You will be shocked to know that many of them are already downplaying it. Um, one of the reasons they're doing that is because Pence did one thing that I took note of in his statement, said, 
we are cooperating with congressional investigators, i.e. James Comer, Mm -hmm. the head of the Oversight Committee, who's a Republican. He called up Comer, said this is happening. And Comer has now taken that to say, well, Pence is cooperating with us and Biden isn't. And so that's what makes these cases really different. But it it isn't. I mean, obviously, uh, both Pence and Biden are arguing that they didn't intentionally take these documents and that they are cooperating. And so we will see how... You know, these are handled not just by the House and and the Senate, but also by DOJ as well. Right. But a key difference, too, between Biden and Pence is that with Biden, you kept getting the drip, drip, drip. So far with Pence. No. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I was going to say. So far with Pence, they found one batch, but there could be more, as we all learned um, with Biden. Nonetheless, I mean, politically, could there be any better news for the Biden White House today? (laughs) You know, I do think that there's a bright line between the way uh, former President Trump has handled it and the way Biden and Pence have, right? If, if, if Ramesh has my iPad, I say, hey, that's clearly marked with my Longhorn logo, buddy. That's my, he's going, oh, sure, of course, because he's an honest person. Pence is acting like an honest person. Biden is acting like an honest person. Trump is not, right? He, he, he lied. He stonewalled. He denied. They had to execute a search warrant. So I, to me, those politically are, are the two mm-hmm. very different Cases Plus, there's been better reporting on the Trump documents. There's been reporting that they were very highly classified. I worked in the White House. Lots of stuff is classified that's actually not very important. We know from reporting that up to and including top secret, higher than top secret information, like about the Iranian nuclear program and other matters, were at Mar-a-Lago golf course. We don't know what these documents were. I, I think it's good that Pence has called Chairman Comer in the House a Republican and a loyal one. He needs to call the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Manu's reporting about Mark Warner, who I think is one of the last bastions of bipartisanship, nonpartisanship in Washington. He's a person I would trust a lot. And I think Pence ought to call him as well and say, here they are. Because we, we, I don't want to know what the secrets are, but I want to know how highly classified this stuff yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really key part of understanding the significance of it. But the rules are the rules. The rules were broken, bringing them home in the right. first place. But I think it is important to know more about um, how sensitive intelligence was. Sources and methods, were those compromised? Right. I want to get your reaction, Ramesh, about uh, an interview I did this past weekend. This is what House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner told me a few days ago about Biden. When he left his vice president's office and decided that he was going to take these classified documents with him, albeit illegally. And as he has said, he understands that because he says, you know, he said that when Trump did it. So now we now know he did it. Why six years ago did he walk out of the vice president's office, which documents are marked classified? And what did he do with them over that six year period? It is a fair question uh, for President Biden. And I said that. And also it has been six years for for Pence. But are we going to see Republicans asking those same questions for Pence? Uh, I suspect there will be a partisan asymmetry on that question. Uh, I have to say, I, I appreciate your vote of confidence. I, I don't have designs on your laptop. Um, I think one of the questions that all of this raises, and there are a bunch of them, but one of them is, what were the motives that these leaders had in keeping this classified information? Was it just sloppiness? Were there different motives for different figures? Are we going to find that there are additional officials who have classified information mm-hmm. places where they shouldn't be. I would not be shocked if we were to find in the next few days that there are other former presidents, former vice yep. presidents, who are probably, even as we speak, right. having their people scour through their the, all of their possessions. But I think that's an important point. Like, you know, in a way, do these Pence revelations take the politics out of this? But like, let's just step back for a second and realize the big problem we have here. Like, what other uh, former officials 
have documents at their home like I've this. been trying to think of the right Taylor Swift lyric to encapsulate. <laughs> oh, you've got, there's got to be one. Uh, there has got to be one, um, but I haven't found it yet. <laughs> but like, yes, I think every uh, living ex-president and vice president should be going through their stuff right now before somebody shows up at their door. Uh, there is going to be, there already are calls for uh, reform. But look, um, a couple things. Number one, I think Pence revelations aside, the drip drip of the Biden discoveries does diffuse this issue, takes it off the table as a real weapon to use against Trump. At the same time, polling, the early polling shows that voters are take what Trump's done and the way he's handled it much differently than in the case of Biden. And I would suspect much differently than in the case of Pence. We don't know yet that yet. We haven't seen the polling on that yet. Um, ultimately, I think it, Ultimately, I don't think this is going to be the driving issue that's going to decide the 2024 campaigns, right? Yeah. Uh, but for the next several months, it's going to consume everything. And so you have this bit of triangulation. Uh, Biden made Trump very lucky with the discovery of the Biden documents. Pence is going to help distinguish what we think Biden's situation with the documents was from Trump's. It is very hard to talk about this or report yeah. on this without knowing what any of these documents yeah, are. And that is cannot, really the situation. I cannot emphasize in. enough how much Trump's uh, refusal to return these documents right. has taken something that uh, happens actually probably more than we mm-hmm. know about it because they are handled typically in private and made it a big thing. When the National Archives came to the Trump folks and said, we think you have these documents, please return them, they could have returned them. And we may never have heard about it. But because of his handling, now it's a bigger issue. And now uh, Biden and Pence are embroiled in this. And one thing about uh, Pence Pence has made a lot of statements about Biden earlier this month. He said that they reviewed his offices and residences and didn't find anything only to later find it uh, later. So it just goes to show it might be actually quite difficult for these officials to scour through these documents and find what might be classified. But once you find it, (laughs) you have to to give it back. back. You got to give it back. Yeah. The 2016 campaign did turn on this issue. Hillary Clinton had used a private email server. Do you know how many documents marked classified were on there? Zero. It was the most covered story of the 2016 campaign. I'm waiting for her apology. And by the way, multiple Trump officials used personal emails while right. working in the White House. So Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. But it, it will be interesting to see politically how this weighs on voters. I mean, who right now are dealing with inflation and the price right. of eggs. And how much does this really resonate with I voters think, outside of? I think one reaction people might have is that this is an example of our leaders not following the rules that they write themselves. Yeah, so on both it, sides it, of the aisle. The whole political class. Exactly. I think it may encourage that populist streak in American opinion. All right, thanks to all. Appreciate it. And this note for you, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, says her decision is, quote, imminent on possible charges against Donald Trump and his allies for trying to overturn the 2020 election. Here's her reasoning. What the state does not want to see happen and don't think that there's any way that the court would be able to guarantee is that if that report was released, there somehow could be arguments made that it impacts the right for later individuals, multiple, to get a fair trial, to have a fair hearing, to be able to be tried in this jurisdiction. The list can go on and on. She's referring to a final report from a grand jury that, as you heard her imply, apparently has recommended indictments against multiple individuals. 
We know that grand, the grand jury wanted its report released. Today, media outlets, including CNN, also argued for the report to be released in the name of public interest. The judge today did not indicate when a decision would be made. Well, up next, the aftermath of tragedy after California's three mass shootings in three days. What we're learning about victims killed and the gunmen who took their lives. New pictures just into CNN. This is damage in Pasadena, Texas, just outside of Houston, after severe storms moved through the area. There are at least two reports of tornadoes so far. Pasadena police say they're also responding to reports of drivers stranded by high waters. The area is still under a severe thunderstorm warning. We'll keep an eye on this as the night develops. Also in our national lead, at least 19 people are dead after three separate mass shootings in just as many days in California. First in Monterey Park Saturday night, then yesterday in Half Moon Bay and Oakland. Just three of the 39 mass shootings in the U.S. in 2023. The most at this point compared to any other year on record, according to the Gun Violence Archive. CNN's Natasha Chen is in Monterey Park, California, where families are reeling from this uniquely American gun violence epidemic. All of the evidence we have points to this being the instance of workplace violence. Another California community rocked by a mass shooting. Monday, a gunman attacked two locations in Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco. Police say he first attacked a mushroom farm where the suspect was employed. The only known connection between the victims and the suspect is that they may have been co-workers. Before then targeting workers at a second location, at least seven adults were killed and one injured. Two hours later, this video shows the shocking moment when the 66-year-old suspect was arrested by police in the parking lot of a substation. Inside the car, authorities found the legally owned weapon they said was used in the shooting. All of this less than 48 hours after another gunman killed at least 11 people about 400 miles to the south in a dance studio in Monterey Park, California. I needed to save myself and the people inside. Brandon Say confronted that gunman about 20 minutes after the initial shooting Saturday night when the 72-year-old shooter entered a second dance studio in nearby Alhambra. Something happened, you know, something came over me. I, I, I just had this rush of uh, thought and adrenaline. Say wrestled the gun away. The suspect died the next day of a self-inflicted gunshot wound as police surrounded him in Torrance about 30 miles away. These victims who have suffered such terrible loss. The community is honoring the 11 victims, including Ming-Wei Ma, who was manager of the Star Ballroom Dance Studio, according to this former client. She told me she remembers how he made her feel at ease. She says, I said, I don't know how to dance the cha-cha. He said, here, I'll show you. He led me to the dance floor and we did a few steps. This dance teacher recalls 65-year-old Mei-Mei Nan, who also died Saturday night. The first that comes to my mind, it's her smile. She would always smile. 68-year-old Valentino Alvaro's son said his father would have fought for the safety of those inside the studio. That he loved dancing, was a year away from retiring, and will leave a legacy of love. The biggest message I took from my father is you know, to care about other people. Now, as these family and friends gather tonight at a vigil, there are still so many questions about why the suspect did this in Monterey Park here behind us. Uh, and in the meantime, a former friend of the suspect spoke to our colleagues who said that he was highly distrustful of people, that he sometimes thought the dance instructors didn't like him or were speaking ill of him, which this person said was baseless, and that, quote, he could hate people to death.
Pamela. Natasha Chen in Monterey Park, California. Thank you. And law enforcement in Washington state right now has a house in the city of Yakima surrounded as part of the manhunt for a gunman who shot and killed three people overnight. Police are looking for this man you see right here in the surveillance picture. This is the suspect taken at a convenience store where the shootings occurred. The Yakima police chief says the suspect tried to get into a gas station but found the doors were locked. He then walked across the street to the convenience store where the chief says he shot two people who were just getting food inside and then shot another person outside as he left. Police say this appears to be a random crime. And now to our world lead. Soon, NATO's best tanks could be rolling onto the battlefields in Ukraine after a week-long diplomatic logjam instigated by Germany's refusal to send its more nimble Leopard tanks, unless the U.S. sent its cumbersome Abrams tanks first. Well, now sources tell us the Biden administration is changing its tune and finalizing plans to send Ukraine its jet fuel guzzling tanks. Joining us now, CNN's Natasha Bertrand in Washington and CNN's Fred Plykin in Ukraine. So first of all, Natasha, U.S. officials have repeatedly described its Abrams tanks as more difficult to use than Germany's Leopard tanks. Why change course now? And they're standing by that today, Pam. They are reiterating that these are cumbersome, difficult to use and costly. But they say now, well, our sources say anyway, this hasn't been officially announced by the Biden administration yet, that they are preparing to announced their commitment of a significant number of Abrams tanks to Ukraine. Now, it is unclear at this point, we should note, when those tanks will actually end up on the ground in Ukraine because it does take a long time for people to be trained on these large and complicated systems. But what we are told is that really over the last week, there have been these conversations between U.S. officials, German officials, trying to come to some kind of agreement to get Germany to send those Leopard tanks to Ukraine because the U.S. does view those Leopard tanks as potentially game-changing for the Ukrainians on the ground there. And of course, very important that other European countries who have those tanks in their inventory are also able to transport them and sell them uh, to Ukraine, Pam. So did the U.S. effectively kowtow to Germany's demands then here? Is that what's going on? Well, it remains unclear whether there's going to be any kind of direct linkage here between the tanks that the U.S. is sending and the, the German tanks. But it does seem like this was an agreement that was uh, settled to try to get uh, Germany to be comfortable sending these tanks. Because, again, Germany said that they did not want to go at this alone. Uh, and specifically, they did not want to do it without the United States. Bam. And Fred, to you now in Ukraine, CNN is also reporting Western allies have urged Ukraine to shift from the brutal grinding eastern battles to focus on the southern offensive. How is Ukraine taking that suggestion? Well, the Ukrainians certainly say they're not going to do that. In fact, the vibes that we're getting from Ukrainian officials, uh, intelligence officials and others, is that they don't plan to give Russia uh, even an inch of their territory unless they absolutely have to or unless it's absolutely unfeasible for them to be there. And of course, the main focal point that we've been hearing about so much is the area around Bakhmut, where there have been these tough battles of attrition between the Ukrainian forces on the one hand and on the Russian side, you have the Wagner uh, private military company with its very brutal tactics that it's used and really at very high own losses trying to take that place. Now, uh, the U.S. apparently has said that it believes that the Ukrainians would probably be better off leaving uh, Bakhmut and trying to organize their defenses somewhere else. But the Ukrainians are saying that is absolutely not going to happen. They're going to hold out. And, you know, the vibes that we've been getting from the Ukrainians over the past day or so is they say that right now it's difficult for them in Bakhmut. But at the same time, they do say that they are holding out there and that that situation there for them at this moment uh, remains stable, Pamela. So then how are they reacting to the news about the tanks? 
Well, they're, they're obviously thrilled about the news of the tanks. I think one of the big questions that people are asking on the ground here and, and in, in Europe really as well is whether it took the U.S. to get Olaf Scholz of Germany on board to send tanks or whether it took uh, Olaf Scholz to get the U.S. Uh, to send tanks. Obviously, if you're looking at this from a Ukrainian perspective right now, um, the options seem to be to get a few Leopard 2 tanks from a couple of European countries, possibly Germany included. And now they're looking at getting a lot of Western main battle tanks, including tanks from the United States. So the Ukrainians, for the bottom line for them, is they're getting a lot more tanks than they thought they would be. And they're getting them from the U.S. and from European countries. So certainly they seem pretty happy about this. That's what we're hearing from Europe, uh, from officials here in Ukraine. Yeah, definitely good for them. Natasha Bertram, Flip Lycan, thank you so much. Well, fans still haven't quite shaken it off after the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster fiasco. Were the executives behind the mess able to fix their big reputation during today's visit to Capitol Hill? In our money lead, not even in our wildest dreams did Senate Judiciary members expect Ticketmaster and Live Nation executives to admit, I'm the problem, it's me. The concert giant and its subsidiary faced renewed scrutiny from lawmakers today. CNN's Matt Eakin joins us now. So, Matt, tell us about today's hearing. Well, Pamela, Ticketmaster and Live Nation, they did the unthinkable. They got Republicans and Democrats to agree about something, specifically about how big of a debacle this whole thing has been. Now, Live Nation, they did their best to try to defend themselves to, as Taylor Swift would put it, to shake it off. Um, They blamed a flood of bot traffic. They blamed a cyber attack. Listen to what the president of Live Nation told lawmakers today. While the bots failed to penetrate our systems or acquire any tickets, the attack requires to slow down and even pause our sales. This is what led to a terrible consumer experience, which we deeply regret. We apologize to the fans. We apologize to Ms. Swift. Republicans and Democrats in an absolutely unified cause. Unfortunately, your approach today in this hearing is going to solidify that cooperation, because as I hear and read what you have to say, it's basically, it's not us. It's everyone but us. Now, this Ticketmaster meltdown has managed to do something pretty incredible. It's shined a bright light on what is normally a pretty arcane issue, Pamela. That is the idea that some companies have just gotten too big and too powerful. Yeah, exactly. So should we expect any actual change to come out of this hearing? Well, Pamela, there's no easy answers here. I mean, one of the issues is the stranglehold over the market that Ticketmaster has. I mean, according to Yale, Ticketmaster controls 70% of the market for live events and 80% for concerts. 80%. Now, as far as solutions, one idea that was floated today is to make tickets non-transferable, to try to cap the prices, but that would not address the lack of competition. It's possible, though, that today's hearing gives the DOJ political cover to file an antitrust lawsuit against Live Nation, much like the lawsuit that was filed just today against Google. Another idea that was floated is that Senator Blumenthal, he suggested that one solution is to unwind the 2010 merger between Ticketmaster and Live Nation that created this ticketing giant in the first place, basically undo the deal completely. I can't resist one more Taylor Swift pun here. (laughs) Essentially, regulators would be saying, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. 
I'm starting to think you're a Swifty, Maddie, and I don't know. You've been throwing around Taylor Swift songs a lot here. I've spent a lot of time Googling Taylor Swift lyrics today. I'm not going to lie. Okay, fair enough. Thanks so much, Matt. Up next, the water problem back home for the new Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy's actions to it all, or lack thereof, up next. As House Speaker Kevin McCarthy assumes his new power in Washington, D.C., faucets have been running dry in his California district. CNN's, CNN's Renee Marsh investigates. In California's drought-ravaged Central Valley, wells have gone dry. Cinco galones. Gloria Mendoza relies on five jugs of water delivered to her home in Tulare County every 15 days for drinking and cooking, but it's not always enough. Two hours southeast in Kern County, Randy Kite's community well is also dry. You can't flush toilets, you can't um, keep your house clean, you can't, um, you know, have drinking water. Despite the recent parade of intense rainstorms, both Tulare and Kern counties have experienced the most weeks of severe drought in the past decade, compared to just about any other part of the country. Both counties have long been represented by Congressman Kevin McCarthy. Now, in our district, the, com- the community of Tuleville has run out of water. When asked how the newly elected House Speaker will wield his power to help fix his home state's water crisis, his office says McCarthy has been a staunch advocate on water issues, introducing broad legislative solutions like grants for enlarging reservoirs and dams and increasing infrastructure to store rainwater during wet seasons. Those old solutions are not the answer to California's water problems. There are no more places to build dams. There's no more new water to fill dams today, given climate change, given over-demand. McCarthy has voted against bills addressing climate change and drought and since becoming speaker has dissolved the Congressional Democrats' select committee on the climate crisis. His office did not respond when asked whether addressing climate change is a part of the solution. Anyone, frankly, who talks about trying to solve our water problems without talking about the reality of human-caused climate change doesn't understand the scope of the problem. In McCarthy's district... Trucked in water, fills emergency community tanks that connect to household plumbing for sanitary needs like washing dishes. But it's not safe for drinking. Mendoza shows us what she believes the water that reeks of chlorine has done to her laundry. The nonprofit Self-Help Enterprises uses state funding to deliver 7 million gallons of trucked water and 30,000 gallons of bottled drinking water per month to some 9,000 people in the Central Valley. We've seen kids taking baths at local gas stations, um, being bullied at school because they don't have access or because they don't have clean clothes. Mendoza, whose story represents many of the poorest communities bearing the brunt of California's water crisis, has this message for McCarthy. I want to live like you. I want to be able to have water running through my house. Well, besides admitting uh, climate change is a possible solution, McCarthy has championed policies that accelerate greenhouse gases like drilling for fossil fuels. As for this nonprofit that you saw in the piece, uh, they worry about how long the state can afford to fund this sort of program. It costs over the last 12 months, some $20 million. Wow, that's a lot. Renee Marsh, thank you. Well, Republicans and Democrats might have something else to agree on after classified documents found at former Vice President Mike Pence's house. That's next in the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer.
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.